Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. I have a question for you guys. Start this out. Do you guys consider yourselves a glass half full kind of person or glass half empty, right? I mean, with a year like 2020, so many unprecedented firsts that we've all experienced, it's easy for us to reflect on all the things that have happened to us and, and that have made our lives a lot more harder and a lot more challenging, right? It's, it's easy for us to see those things. It's not hard to look out and see all the loss and the tragedies that have happened around us, all the, uh, the injustices we've seen this year, division, uh, and pain and suffering from uh, people with mental health issues increasing, with uh, depression, anxiety, and just with being separate from people and, and changes in ways we're not comfortable. Guys, but we can choose to see things differently, can't we? We could choose to see new and positive things in these times because things have happened and God continues to work in all of it. We could see expressions of love. I've noticed this a lot in our brothers and sisters in the body alone, just people reaching out to one another and checking on one another all the time. I've seen that even more now so uh, than I did before, um, helping to provide and care for one another. Um, in these times of separation, there's also been a renewing of relationships in our family life. I know for us personally, our family has grown significantly closer due to the fact that we were kind of forced to be together, you know, and it was a good thing. So even guys, that two by four moment we all talk about because, you know, us Americans, we don't know how to slow down, do we? God had to smack us in the head, you know, for us to slow down in the sea that uh, we're missing a lot of things and we need to find our place again in God's plan. But guys, no matter what your year looked like, guess what? It's all in the perspective of your heart, isn't it? How you see things and how you'll see your glass. So guys, as we reflect on 2020 and anticipate 2021, what do we need most to understand to see things the right way, the godly way, right? What perspective do you need? Huh? How do we find peace in every season of our lives? I want to start with Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 to 8 and a little bit of 11. So there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, and a time for war and a time for peace. And part of 11 is he has made everything beautiful in its time. So what do we have here, guys, right? I think one thing we can gather out of this, a major theme in this, is that God's got it, right? Okay, we read here he has ordered a time for everything, hasn't he? Huh? I mean, do we live in a universe of order? I mean, it's certainly not a universe of chaos. I mean, I've had many conversations with many people about that. I'm not even going to go down that trail right now. But the teacher here lists 14 ends of different spectrums of life, okay? We notice each one has its time, and we notice that each one is appropriate in its time. And we can also feel a rhythm in these verses almost that, that sometimes feels reassuring or comforting, doesn't it? There are a couple of troubling implications here too, though. Okay, first is that as much as we think our path is of our own making, it's far from it, okay? We have very little, if any, control over the circumstances that actually drive us. I mean, we have our upbringing, 
our environment, right, our interactions with other people, they all impact what happens to us and who we become, even today, even as adults. It affects every way that we act every single day. What this does prove to us, guys, is that we really aren't in control, okay? Our first step is to stop trying to control what we can't. Okay, next we see that nothing we pursue has any permanence here. Nothing actually lasts without God. The verses here stress, stress a briefness and an impermanence in their activities, right? So for example, as some of us have experienced, I'm sure, we've had an, a home church that we used to go to. Maybe that church doesn't exist anymore, or maybe the Holy Spirit led us away from that church to another place because we didn't feel led there anymore, right? That would be a time to plant and a time to uproot. How about something definitely self-explanatory in 2020, right? A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing? We could definitely write that as a time to embrace and a time to social distance, couldn't we, right now? So seeing things this way, guys, is what you're giving your life going to last, okay? How secure is your job? Do you control the position in your job? Is it, or is it controlled by your bosses? Is it controlled by the demand for your business? Or is it controlled by the customers, right? Maybe you think your home life's secure, okay? Kids grow up, right? They go to college, they move out. Maybe they get married for some of us, right? <laughs> Maybe they don't move out either, okay? Which some things are permanent, I guess, aren't they? You can't control your spouse's thoughts either. You can't even control how long anybody will be here, right? So how do we handle all this stuff, this idea, and keep our sanity? Let's read verses 9 to 11. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Another big theme here, guys, that we could take away is that God's got it right, but we don't get it, okay? It's impossible for us to know God's infinite existence, isn't it? From the beginning to the end of time, it's just not possible. Even his omniscience is beyond our comprehension. We can't see the big picture, and we can't discern his plans for everything that is forever, can we? It's hard enough for us to even try to understand the possibility of him knowing everything. Not to mention, I just struggle to figure out what to wear in the morning half the time. I can't, can't even possibly try to comprehend that. Again, guys, this leads back to the truth that his purposes are outside of our control. So when we follow God, our life has eternal purpose and meaning, doesn't it? And without God? Life has no meaning, and we have no significance. It's like trying to watch a television, right, guys, when you have no cable or you have no internet connection. It's a blank screen, right? Or if some of us are old enough to remember the white fuzzy things all over the television, right? How about like trying to drive a car without an engine in it, right? I mean, unless you're Fred Flintstone, and you, know, you have the strength of a 1,000 people in your legs, calluses four inches thick, you're not getting anywhere, right? Because, guys, God is our connection, isn't he? God is our engine, okay? So since God's got it, our lives and all of history are actually going somewhere. It's not just a series of chaotic, random things that's spinning us out of control in circles, is it? It's all falling into place exactly as God planned it. So those of us who know Jesus, we understand the Old Testament messages of man's fall, right? We understand God's redemption. We understand Jesus' birth. We just celebrated it, right? The meaning of his life. His great sacrifice for us, right? For our salvation and his eventual return. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of us out there thinking after 2020 that might be sooner rather than later, right? 
We know we all have a destination. So our life has meaning after all, doesn't it? So, all right, since God's got it, what does this mean for us as we look forward into 2021? Let's see what verses 12 and 13 have to say. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. So guys, since God's got it, we can enjoy it, right? Hasn't he created music and dancing? I mean, we see it all throughout scripture, don't we? And he's created our senses as well. Smell, taste, touch, sight. So many ways that we have been given to enjoy our surroundings and enjoy everything that we do. This obviously doesn't give us a license to do whatever we want though, does it? We should be submitting that enjoyment to what is good in God's eyes. This also doesn't mean that everything in life will be enjoyable, not in the way that we see it at least, right? We clearly saw that in Ecclesiastes. Let me ask you guys, do you enjoy your life when you really think about it? How about if you ask your spouse or your siblings or your, your brothers or your, your sons or your daughters or whomever that is in your life? How about not even the people that know you that well? How about the people that you work with? or even uh, people in your small group, what will they say when they look at you? Do they see you enjoying your life, even in every moment? What's holding you back in 2021, guys? Let's move on to verses 14 and 15. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away. God does it so people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. So one meaning I got out of this, guys, is that since God's got it, we should live into it, shouldn't we? Okay, only through God will we find that solution to permanence that mankind is always seeking in life. So we read everything God does will endure forever, right? And most importantly, Scripture teaches us that we're invited to be actively involved in what he's doing in our lives, okay? Many people think that to achieve permanence, right, is, is to build something here on earth that lasts forever, like a legacy, right? We think of a statue or a monument that, that sets some icon about us. Uh, what about a successful company people strive for, a big company they can pass on or that's uh, successful in the eyes of the world? Or what about, a lot of people think, huge connected family. That's something that we can leave, right? But guess what, guys? All those things don't last, do they? We've seen that throughout Scripture. The only thing we have to do uh, in this life for us to achieve that permanence is to do what God wants us to do, okay? What he created us to do because whatever God does endures forever, okay? So what does God want you to do? What's the calling on your life? What are your gifts, hmm? What has God taught you this past year that'll help you on this journey and most importantly in it is God in it, okay? Because if he is, it will last forever, Let's wrap up Ecclesiastes with verses 16 and 17. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked. For there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. Sometimes I think, guys, that, you know, we, we think that maybe God doesn't have it, right? Like, maybe we don't find joy in some things, or, or we don't want to live into something because it doesn't feel right. Questions like, where was God when, when I got sick? Or where was God when my husband or my wife died? Or um, why did God let my marriage fail? 
Or why do others have so much and I don't, right? Guys, these are legitimate questions. We do live in our flesh, right? If we don't admit it, thoughts like this cross everyone's minds at one point or another. So what explains the success and prosperity of all the wickedness around us, okay? Why do we have to see it and be tortured by it so much? Scripture does tell us where this comes from, guys. We do live in our flesh, don't we? It's a sinful flesh. Are we in a fallen world? We're tormented by a fallen devil and surrounded by more fallen people, okay? So don't despair, folks. These verses here tell us that God promises judgment, okay? Where all will be made right in his time. We just have to stay the course. Remember that. Stay the course, and you can have peace, right? Who remembers uh, when Ultron raised the city of Sokovia up high in the sky, right? It's going to drop it down. Extinction-level event, it's over. What would you have to do? You had to stay with it to the end to find out, right? How about Silver Surfer preparing the earth for the planet devouring Galactus, right? Stay with it to the end. Best of all, just when you thought Luke Skywalker would never know who his father is, right? Stay with it to the end, guys. You'll know. So I know some of you guys are saying it's easier said than done, right? Okay? How do we stay with it all the way to the end? I have a big word here for you guys. Worship. Okay? When we say worship, what does that mean? There's a lot of different definitions. What does it mean to you? Okay? I think this is a much bigger word than most of us have actually come to understand. It is a broad word, and it's hard to grasp in a single meaning. And the reason why, guys, is worship's everywhere in Scripture. And there are many different definitions of it in the different um, translations through Hebrew and Greek. But for our purposes here, guys, in our conversation here, we can summarize it into this. Worship is the human response to the presence of God, right? Okay? So we have examples. When David danced, returning the Ark of the Covenant, right? He was worshiping, right? When Mary sang in praise for God's blessing, for her being the mother of Jesus, she worshiped. Okay? When the shepherds came to see baby Jesus, they worshiped. When the Israelites were rescued from Egypt, they worshiped. When the disciples saw Jesus on the mountain after the resurrection, they worshiped, didn't they? And they're just a few examples. Because worship is all of those things and much, much more, guys. Because we need to obey God, don't we, when we worship him. Give you a bunch of direct examples. First Chronicles 25, worship is making music with brass and string instruments. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, worship is knowing our God is the only God. Luke 2, worship is time and prayer, right? Jeremiah 26, worship is coming to the Lord's house. Romans 12, worship is taking care of your body, keeping it whole. 2 Timothy 1, worship is serving with a clear conscience. Hebrews 12, worship is being thankful to God. 1 Corinthians 14, worship is speaking the truth clearly for others to understand, right? 2 Chronicles 29, worship is singing in praise of God. And here's a big one. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, it's got a lot in it. When we do what the Lord asks of us, our worship is fearing God, okay? It's obeying him. It's serving him with all your heart and your soul and loving him, okay? And when we love and obey God, doesn't Matthew 22 tie right into it? Okay, we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, right? And then that spreads all over. More, there's more and more in scripture that tell us this. There's a plethora of ways of learning to worship God in scripture. So how can we, how can we see how worship can help us 
uh, experience the reality of the presence of God in our lives, okay? One thing I've come to understand, guys, is that true worship is our personal experience with God. I mean, isn't God everywhere, right? Jeremiah 23, 24 says, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Guys, we can't, we can't hide from him. We can't run from him. We can't be too far away from him. He's always with us no matter what we're going through or what we feel or where we are in life. Just because God is there with us, though, doesn't mean we always experience his presence, does it? But when we begin to praise and worship him, the Holy Spirit begins to work in our hearts, and we become more aware of his presence in our lives. But for us to experience the reality of his presence, we have to fully commit to it in our hearts, okay? And that's shown through our actions and through our love for other people and for God, isn't it? And when we do commit to it through our wholehearted worship, we're promised that presence when the Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. In this worship, guys, God draws closer to us, and we experience him in ways that we can at no other times. And guess what, too, guys? Worship helps us by raising us up above our problems. Not that any of us have done this before, of course, but how many times have you seen or heard someone say, I didn't get a whole lot out of that message, did I? Maybe it's because they drug themselves to church in the morning, right? They were too tired, they didn't feel like coming. Maybe they didn't pay attention to what was being said. Checking their phone, seeing who texted them, whatever, checking social media. And maybe they didn't involve themselves in the singing with that open and unabashed enthusiasm we see, right? Maybe they're looking around, they're not used to it, and they're like, what are all these crazy people doing raising their hands up, right? Okay? Maybe I think the reason, though, guys, that they didn't get anything out of it is because they didn't put anything into it, did they? If those of us who are up front, whether they're singing or they're playing music or preaching, the people behind, the ushering, people greeting, anybody that's serving in any ministry, if they're worried about how well they perform or whether they're seen or heard or whether people recognize them for what they do, aren't they a little more of a hindrance than they are to a help for, the, for people that are watching them, people that are seeing them? Hmm? If we're not willing to worship with our hearts on praising God, then we're definitely not going to get much out of it, Okay. Here's a better way to look at it, okay? One of the reasons why our problems look so big to us and so out of control is because we stand below them looking up at them in fear and feeling suppressed, don't we? Okay? But when we worship the Lord, guys, God lifts us up to him, okay? We can now look down on them and see them for what they really are. They're not just ours. God's got them, doesn't he? Then they don't seem so big after all, do they? Psalm 27.5 tells us how David is set up high by God when he's feeling vulnerable and troubled. It reads, For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of a sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. That is what our God does when we're actively engaged in a relationship with him and we're seeking him out regularly. Okay? This is what he does when we need him. And he's the only one who can help us through whatever it is that we're going through at that time that's throwing us all around, okay? Today, I know that there's many of us out there that are burdened down by all the troubles and the problems that have been thrown into our lives lately. You need an encounter with a holy God. You need to be lifted up high on a rock, don't you? But guys, the only way that's gonna happen is when you praise and worship him, connect with him. 
You need to bring him close enough so he can raise you up above the things that you're facing. If we truly worship God, if we focus our thoughts and our energy on letting God know how much we love and appreciate him for everything that he's done, is doing, and will do in our lives, then we could draw closer to him, right? And we're going to be transformed to that higher place where we're lifted above our struggles and we'll be taken to a place of peace in God's arms, okay? Worship also helps us by energizing us to be in the right frame of mind to encounter the world, doesn't it? When we're excited and happy in this world and we have peace in whatever situation we're going through, even difficult ones, we, we become beacons of hope for God, don't we? Especially to people around that don't know him like we do. Huh? It opens a door for us to share the good news with those people because they come to us and they say, what do you have? I need that. And you say to them, I need it too, and I get it from him. Okay? Think of how much faith it takes, guys, to worship regardless of your circumstances. I mean, we all know what even the faith the size of a mustard seed can do, right? But know this, guys, that the worship that you do will re-energize your faith. This is going to create a self-feeding routine in our lives that could only have been created by God. Through our faith, our drop of faith, we worship the Lord. In that worship, God's presence comes upon us. The Spirit fills us and reinvigorates our faith, right? And then with that faith, we go home, we read Scripture, we have fellowship with other people, which again comes, us, comes back to us worshiping. And in that, we are worshiping, and it fills us more and continues to build our faith. It's a perfect cycle created by God. So is your faith as big as a mustard seed? Hmm? Does it drive your worship to be overflowing with love for God? I read an article, guys, that gave us examples from a survey that showed the experiences people get from worship and how it connects them to God. Not sure how many people they surveyed because some of this is hard to grasp, but although 66% of people say they can recall an experience in worship where they felt a real and personal connection with God, they also reported in that survey that these occasions were rare, okay? Among those surveyed who attend church every week, 44% say they experience God's presence. Again, not in a regular type environment. And just to give some perspective here, guys, another survey I saw said that only 23% of Americans attend church weekly and that 29% never attend church or synagogue. So we're actually looking at 44% of 23% of Americans experience God's presence more than rarely. Do the math on that. Works out, based on our population, to be about 10% of people. And that's more than rarely, but maybe not all the time, too. As you know what? That made me wonder when I read that, what are people doing in their worship? Huh? Makes me wonder, how much faith do they actually have in what's going on in their lives? I mean, we are given so many opportunities, right, through different ways of worship to enter into the presence of God. But I'm not sure how honest we're being with ourselves when we do worship God. How many of us sing songs out there and our heart may not actually believe what we're saying or our heart is not into what we're hearing? How many of us skip prayer or don't pray regularly? How many of us don't read our Bibles because we, we don't understand or we don't get anything from it? Remember, guys, God is always listening, right? He always knows your heart. He knew it long before you were even created. He knows what you feel when you sing or pray or read. Remember, guys, it's not about us. It's about him. That's where our focus and our heart should be. 
It's not about singing songs, praying or reading just for the sake of it, right? Or because we, we grew up being told that's what we have to do. Or because, of, because others expect us to do it, right? Or even some people think if I come to church, I'm just a better Christian, right? It's about opening up your heart to God. It's about laying our lives on God's altar and expressing our love for him. It's about bowing down before him in awe and wonder, in praise and honor. It's about spending time with Jesus, getting to know him, what he's done for us, and what he's taught us. Okay? It's about working for the Lord, but doing things for him must always come second to knowing the one that we're doing them for, right? That's one of the reasons here at Hope we stress people over program, right? Because your relationship with the one and only God who gave everything for you comes first before anything else, right? You need to feed your soul, okay? Worshiping God is not a spectator sport either. Anyone who knows me and knows my testimony, no, I know that firsthand, okay? So let's be honest with ourselves. Has my worship lately been spiritually fulfilling? Do I worship God in all the ways he's shown me in scripture? With a full heart and faith in his plan for me, no matter the circumstances. When I feel the presence of God, am I overwhelmed by his glory and magnificence? Or am I just going through the motions without ever really feeling like I'm truly a part of worshiping him? And guys, I hate to tell you this, whether you know it or not, your heart isn't just known by God. It's known by the people around you that are watching you, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what's this saying to us about what we, re- what we reflect to the world? If I have full faith and confidence in what God is doing in my life and in what I'm taught in Scripture, right, would my focus be on what I can do in the here and now? Or would my focus be on my future in the kingdom of heaven? You'd think that would be a simple question, wouldn't you? But guys, what image do we give the world around us as Christians if we live as the world does? We all know someone who comes to church. I'm sure we do. And they're one person here, right? Conversations and in interactions. And then when they go home, there's someone else altogether. Hmm? Maybe that person is even us, right? Huh? With social media too, guess what? You're not hiding anything. Okay, the stuff you're putting on there, people know what's going on and they know where your heart is at. You can't hide it. People are always watching us, especially as Christians. They're waiting, okay? Trust me when I say anyone paying attention to us can see where our focus is and what kind of treasure we're storing up for. Are we sending the right messages to the people we know and love? What about to our unsaved family and friends? It's important, isn't it? To our children and our spouses to our coworkers, even the people we cross on the street or in the stores, right? How are we acting? If we all really lived as Matthew describes with our focus on building treasure in heaven, why is it the world is the way it is? If we really reach that place where our focus is on God and what he calls us to do, I think the lives of believers would be much different and our reflection on the world even more positive, wouldn't it? In this type of world, would our church need a benevolent fund? We've been seeing that a lot lately. We've thought there would be a much more significant need for that, but like I said earlier, we're seeing a bigger connection in the body that's happening without that. We're connecting with one another, staying in touch. Uh, would, there need, would we need a food bank or a meals ministry or even counseling for their purposes? Any needs or hospitality ministry in that type of environment if we were pursuing it, 
Wouldn't these just be a natural result of where a loving Christian's heart would be in a place where we care and love for one another unconditionally? Wouldn't each one of us be watching out for one another all the time? Unfortunately, though, guys, we do live in our flesh, don't we? We're in a fallen world where even the best of us is subject to sin and to suffering. We all make mistakes, too. And, and we have needs based on the fallout of that sin in our lives. I'm blessed to know there's many people here in this church who've been given the gifts to serve God in these ministries. Many of them do it without complaining, guys, or the need for that recognition. And I'm thankful for what they do and that their hearts are in the right place where God has placed them. They are serving for their eternity and not for what they can gain here on earth. Their treasures will be plentiful, won't they? But their hearts will give it right back to God. Since we are all vulnerable to sin, guys, and our flesh has a powerful weight on what we do and how we act, how do we keep on that narrow path of righteousness? Proverbs 4, 23 to 27 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths at your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. That way, guys, is to guard your heart, right? Don't we read? Paul tells us about the armor of God in Ephesians, doesn't he? Because we are in a battle, guys. This is a battle to keep our hearts where God wants it to be. We're constantly being led astray. These verses in Proverbs tell us to consciously, with intention, watch what we say, right? What we look at, where we go. Most of all, to keep our hearts straight ahead at God. So we have to practice what we preach, right? Act as we expect others to act. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you, right? That's what we expect. Remember, worship feeds faith, feeds worship, feeds faith. Practice your habits of worship in scripture reading, in church attendance, fellowship with other believers, speaking the truth in love to others, right? In prayer, regular prayer, compassion and love to other people and to God, okay? They will feed your faith and build you up stronger so your habits of worship become a second nature thing to you. Your relationship with God will grow and he will be closer to you and you will more easily feel his presence. And the more you feel his presence, the more he will feed you and you will be encouraged to worship more and in turn, have more faith, right? Guarding our hearts takes active participation. It's going against the grain. It's not natural in this world, is it, from what people tell us. It's walking that narrow path. And when we reach fulfillment, we can go to God for anything, guys. Philippians 4, 6 to 7 reads, Do not be anxious in, about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we go to him in prayer, and we ask things of him with thankfulness in our hearts, he will lift us up on that rock, guys, and he'll relieve the anxiety and the strife in your life. He promises us you will receive peace in every situation that you go through. Guys, there will be a season for everything, too. But he has an appropriate time for it and for you in it. 
and what the perspective of your heart is will keep you in peace. Make good habits of worship and guard that perspective and your glass will be overflowing no matter what you face because you have a God that's bigger than anything you can ever imagine. If you don't know our God like we do either, you don't have peace in your situations, you feel lost by what overwhelms you, there's a path for you too. God provided it through his son for all of us through his death and resurrection. There's nothing you have done that's too horrible that could prevent you from knowing him like we do. Nothing can keep you from receiving the blessings of peace that we just talked about. Nothing can hold back God, guys, from healing you from the anxiety and pain that you may be enduring. All you have to do is ask and believe, okay? There's so many people here too in this room that feel that presence and they can guide you through that path. You just need to reach out and talk with someone. And even if you do know Jesus and you can't seem to find that feeling of his presence in your life, you can't feel that relief he promises in your troubles and your worries, this is why we gather here and we meet. This is why we have fellowship together, right? This is why we pray and we read scripture to keep ourselves strong and remind us of the wonderful father that we have. God put us here together for a reason. I say this constantly because it's so true. Think about this. We could have been born at any time in history. We could have been born anywhere on this earth, but we were all put here, everyone in this room together for a reason. There's a purpose behind every person sitting in this room for one another, or we wouldn't be here together. Guys, let's move onward to 2021, okay, with a renewed approach to worship. Let's make a habit to move towards a stronger and closer relationship with each other, and most importantly, the one who loves us more than anything or anyone ever can. In this journey together, we'll find peace in every season, And he promises us if we just stay with it to the end, right? Your glass will overflow.